In this episode, we're going to look at the most popular questions I'm asked about body language detecting deception, getting ahead, and getting things you want, and that's called how to play poker and pick up chicks. Looking for signs of bluffing, which is really just confidence. Looking for signs of lack of confidence, which might be your key into picking up somebody at the bar. But we'll be using these examples to understand better ways to identify confidence when confidence is fake. What gives you the advantage or maybe creates for you a disadvantage when you're interacting with people in social situations, especially when playing cards or any other game or out there on the dating scene? That's what we're going to talk about right here in Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. Looking at confidence, the stuff I did and things people like me do are all about confidence. And while people try to fake confidence as much as they can, the best way to falsify something or to fake something is to know how to identify it in the first place and know how to do it correctly in order to fake it when you need to. Faking it until you make it doesn't work. So it's a lot easier to put off body language signals and use your words to send certain subliminal messages in what you're saying when you already understand how to identify those things. And that's where confidence plays in. A lot of people think they can fake confidence, but almost nobody can until you've learned how to identify it. One of the things we see when we talk about poker, because I get asked a lot about playing poker or, oh, I would love to see you play poker. I don't actually like the game. And while I can do the whole body language thing, I can't play just on that. I need to have a certain amount of skill and I have very little in that game and understanding the probability and odds of different things doesn't help me too much. So I end up no better than the average player and average is pretty good considering I'm terrible at the game. So using my skills, I can come out average. If I was pretty good at the game, I'd be playing all the time. But one of the things we see in displays of overconfidence is the polar opposite, how people act when they're confident. So when somebody's confident, not arrogant, not an ego, but they have confidence in what they're doing. They don't have to share that with the world. They don't have to display that. It's the same thing that somebody is humble. It's one thing if somebody says to you, you know what, that that really humbles me. But how often do people really say that? Very, very rarely. So when they're saying that every week or multiple times a month, you know, if anything, humility is not something in their skill set. They are most likely a very arrogant individual. And I've ran into a few in my life. So confidence works the same way. Somebody who is confident is just not going to be telling you about it. They don't need to display it. They don't need to do anything. They have been there before. They're aware of what confidence is. It's nothing new to them. And so they're happy about it. So what you're looking for is signs of patience is usually signs of confidence. So if you're playing cards, for example, or anything, but we'll use poker as an example. When you have confidence in what you have and what you're doing, then you don't have to react quickly. You don't have to do anything. You just move at a normal, casual pace. People that are displaying confidence and positivity into whatever they're doing don't rush things. Now, when somebody tries to fake it, though, they tend to rush. They tend to want to display it proudly, want to convince people that they are something they are not, which is usually confidence. Now, while I'm using poker because I get asked about it, it is to a certain degree, a bad example. The reason why is some of the stuff I'm going to tell you, like the next thing I'm going to tell you, is actually done off studying poker players. However, comma, poker has become such a big part of our society and with the World Poker Tour and all these things going on that many poker players have learned ways to identify confidence and signals and read tells, as they say, which really everything I talk about is just reading tells. They've also learned how to display things a certain way. 
to try to send a certain message and really good ones try to display them their facial expressions and their body language is to send no message which is even better but studying poker players one of the things we found out about people that are bluffing or falsifying that confidence is how quickly they will bet they may even show signs that they're going to make a bet before the cards get to them but even when the it gets to them and it's their turn to bet no matter what they've done beforehand, you're looking to see how quickly they bet. And those that bet quickly, much quicker than everybody else is doing, tend to want to display confidence they do not have. It is a sign of bluffing or it is a sign of bullshit. Is it true all the time? Absolutely not. And this is a clearly something you can try doing, try watching people to see, especially if you play poker, and try using it to your advantage to send that message. But people who didn't know any of this was going on, didn't know they were being studied, never understood or learned about things like this, one of the displays we see in studies is that they react very quickly to show everybody they have the confidence. Whereas the person who actually is confident, who has a really good hand and understands, you know, once the flop comes, where they're sitting mathematically, tends to react in a very calm and cool manner, almost to the point sometimes like they're thinking about it. And typically when they're thinking about it, and they're falsifying it, you may see a pattern between whether or not they're playing with chips or just holding their cards. There's arguments both ways on that. But that's something to look for. Another thing to look for, and talking about the dating scene or picking up chicks, as we said, but one of the things is confidence is about how we feel about ourselves around other people. While self-esteem does play a part into what I'm about to say Sometimes it's not even self-esteem. Sometimes it's just an awkward situation. So, for example, there are people that make a living and a business about how to pick up girls in bars and sleep with them. There's a lot of people that do this. One of the very common things they talk about is finding that group of chicks that's really attractive or a couple more of them are really, really hot. And you don't go for them necessarily if people are interacting. You go for somebody that's not quite as hot as they are in the eyes of the general public. Maybe not in your opinion, but for most people there, you see a group of four or five women, you'll see one or two always getting talked to. And yeah, they might have one you call that ugly friend. They may not be ugly, but compared to the other four, let's say there's five, they're noticeably less attractive. And then you have one or two that are noticeably more attractive. So you're aiming somewhere in the middle. The reason for this is the ones in the middle there that aren't the super hot ones but are still very attractive, very beautiful, very probably happy-looking people probably are really great individuals outside of that situation. But in that situation, they don't feel as confident necessarily because of people around them that look better and tend to be more social. And they might even be a little embarrassed. Maybe, maybe that really hot friends with them. It's got the short dress on and acting a little slutty to get free drinks and it embarrasses them. Gives you something to talk about. The point is to say that people in general feel a lot of things about themselves, not because of who they are or what they have or don't have. It's because of what's around them. It's the idea of keeping up with the Joneses. The whole idea of the Joneses, the neighbors, and they got a new car, so we need a new car. They got a lawn put in, we get a lawn put in. They're getting this done. We're going to get that done too. It's the same idea like kids in school. Oh, everybody's got this kind of shoe. I need that kind of shoe. The thing was, until everybody else was doing it, or until that one individual or family was doing it that everybody wants to be around, we didn't feel like we lacked anything. That's because we actually were confident and happy. We lost that confidence. We started looking at ourselves a little differently because of how other people react to other people that aren't even us. 
that's what you have to be aware of. And this becomes very important when we're trying to get information out of people is figuring out what do people want, what do people look for, what do people react to, and how to identify that little bit lesser that's somewhere in the middle or maybe above average, but not the top shelf idea to figure out exactly what you want to target because people's self-esteem is based on those situations. It's no different than looking at studies that show based on certain scents in the air, types of music or colors in the wall, they affect your mood. It's true with everything else. Think about this. Think about a red carpet, anything, the Oscars, a dinner, going to some famous person's house that's having a party, all kinds of people that are into that think, man, that'd be so cool. Well, thing is, if you went to a red carpet event, let's say you went to the Oscars and you're going to go meet some people, do you have the same type of clothing they have? Aside from the fact that they're going to be completely different than what you realize anyway, these people are wearing dresses and suits worth thousands of dollars and well-made expensive clothes aren't just a name tag. If you've ever seen them, touched them, or worn them, you know that they're much different, much nicer, and you will not feel as good no matter who you are, no matter how much self-confidence you have. Virtually nobody is going to feel that good around them wearing the best that they have. It's not that you lack self-esteem in general. It's just you find yourself in this awkward situation where you're like, oh man, I am not dressed right for this. It's the same idea as being overdressed. Oh man, you told me this was a formal dance. I wore a tux, but most people are wearing polos. I'm way overdressed. They're actually in a better position by appearance, but they feel out of place. They feel awkward. They lose their confidence. So it works both ways. It could be, and I have seen this, but it's rare that in that situation of five women, the one who lacks the confidence is the hot one, is the real pretty one, the one that's in the eyes of the average American or average person, they are far above average in their physical attractiveness and they feel awkward out of place. And mainly it's because you'll find situations where nobody's talking to that individual. And why aren't they talking to them? Because they also lack self-confidence. They see this beauty in this person that they don't think they live up to, they don't think they deserve. And if they go and try and talk to them, they're probably going to look like an idiot. And then that woman who hacks no confidence is going to say something's wrong with her. This is part of the game in identifying where this confidence lies and figuring out exactly what to use your advantage, whether you're getting information, trying to figure out if somebody is telling the truth, trying to take advantage of them in a card game, trying to just start a conversation. The reason I use dating isn't just so people can go out and get laid. I don't think a lot of people even try to do that with what I say. But it's to understand that when you're talking to people and working with people and getting information, they are forms of relationships. They don't have to be sexual in nature. But the same idea of going out and trying to interact with somebody, pick them up per se, take them on a date, get a phone number, is no different than a spy meeting a source or a potential source they want to turn into an asset one day. You have to watch them. You have to see what they're doing. Sometimes you just approach them completely cold without any preparation. You have to be able to start that conversation, keep them interested, get them going, and get them wanting to meet you at another time, not just asking them. It's the exact same thing. So one of the things we look for are these signs of confidence and lack of confidence. And everybody has both. The question is, where do they lie? And then how to use them to your advantage. Another thing about confidence that we see, and it can be easily determined in rare situation, is life-threatening situation, catastrophe, something that seems like a tragedy or catastrophe or an actual threat. 
It's like there was a, I've, I've mentioned this before, there was a sci-fi movie or TV show I was watching and they talked about philosophers, two that existed and one that doesn't because they, they were in the universe somewhere. And they were telling a story, but the, the made up one was this idea about two people that were friends. They grew up together as kids. They played sports together as kids. You know, they went on dates together with their girlfriends. They went to the same schools. They had the same hobbies. They went to the same college, had the same career, had a business together. Goes through all these things they did their whole life, how well they knew each other, good and bad from that. But they said one day, one of them takes the other one on a hike and they go up to the edge of this mountain where there's a volcano and lava below. One of them grabs the other one and dangles over the on, over the end. Like if they let them go, they're going to die. And they said, that's the day that you meet the man. Basically, when they're in that threatening situation is when you really meet them. One of the things I saw, and this is just in my personal experience, I know a few people have, but a lot of guys didn't in the military that were fighting war. You know, they weren't just deployed. Were in situations that the outcomes of them were like certain ideas of movies. The idea being this. There are movies out there where you find this soldier or whatever branch of service and people either like them or a lot of times they don't and they're kind of fucked up. Maybe they choose not to do anything. Maybe they just don't want to do the job. Maybe they try really hard all the time and put all this extra work and have all this heart, but they're just not as good as everybody else. Maybe they don't try at all. Maybe their only problem is that they're always overweight. No matter what they do, they can't do anything about it, but they're just kind of this jacked up individual. And then in the movie, the war happens, the fight happens, and they turn out to be the hero. I've seen that. More common than that, I've seen one that's been in the movies where you get this guy, they're in shape, they look good, they're a badass. People are afraid of them, usually out of respect of their knowledge, thinking that they're deadly and scary sometimes because the guys are just assholes. They fear them in a bad way. You know, they're really squared away. They get all the good jobs. They get the good positions, the good assignments. You go to war and you find out that guy's a pussy and a coward. I've seen that too. The trick is what we're doing here is we're trying to identify the confidence and figure out when it's fake. When I really saw that as much as I would read people, when I first saw that with a platoon sergeant that I'd once seen somewhere, I started looking and seeing how many people in the military, especially NCOs, had good careers, got good evaluations, got good this, got good that, whatever, and tried to really look at them and see how jacked up they were. And a lot of times they were pretty jacked up. But finding out they displayed such false fake confidence, but not so much most people could notice it. And they actually lived their lives as manipulators, and that's how they got where they were going. But if it ever came down to them needing to do the job, they couldn't do it. And I started noticing that more and more and more. So what we're looking for here in confidence is trying to identify people who are faking it and why, and do we want to take advantage of that? and identify people that are showing no confidence and figuring out what stimulus is causing them a lack of confidence and then can I change or correct that or do I even want to and how can I use that to my advantage all for the purposes of getting information which might just be a phone number but remember there is a game to it whether it's life relationships espionage poker dating there's still a game that has to be played you still need to know the rules and have a certain amount of skill in it having Abilities other people don't, like reading body language, using neurolinguistics programming, how we listen, how we talk to people are all wonderful tools and can definitely help you offset a lack of skill in the game. But you need to learn the game 
in order for those skills you have, most people don't, to carry you even farther. And that's what we often forget. We try to correct a deficiency by having this unique skill other people don't have. That unique skill is supposed to enhance the actual game playing, whatever the game is, whether it's just life or poker or girls. If you like this episode, don't forget us a like, share, heart, whatever your platform is using, and make sure you let people know you think will enjoy this material. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're at. And don't forget to check out the show notes and check out dmrpublications.com. And we will be back again shortly with more information right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.